It is such a joy to be with you here today. As Pastor Jeremiah already said, my name is Lydia Whitley. I am the daughter of Paul and Sharon Grimes, and he's exactly right. I grew up here in Fort Worth. I grew up here at UBC, but now my husband Taylor and I, we live in Germany. We live in Stuttgart, Germany, and we both serve on staff at the International Baptist Church of Stuttgart. Um, Taylor is the student minister, and I am the adult discipleship coordinator. And as some of you know, in January, we welcomed our son, Luke Elijah Whitley, into the world. And because we very unbiasedly believe that he is the most beautiful baby in the world, I brought you some pictures so you can see him. This is our family in a park in Stuttgart where we live. And Luke is very apprehensive about the cameraman. <laughs> and then this is Luke by himself. And he is so sweet. He is such a blessing already to our family. And Taylor, Luke, and I are really enjoying our time here in the USA. We've been visiting our family and friends, and we've been eating lots of tacos and as much Mexican food as we can get. But the real reason we returned to the States was to share our vision for international church planting in Germany. And before I share with you a little bit more about that, I would first like to say thank you. Thank you, Pastor Jeremiah, for the opportunity to preach this morning. I'm very honored by your invitation. And thank you, University Baptist Church. I would definitely not be standing here today if it were not for your ministry. As I look out at you this morning, I see so many faces. So many faces of men and women that I know and love. You taught me in Sunday school, and vacation Bible school, girls in action. You led me in choir, handbell choir, border ministry, youth camp. You taught me in disciple now. You watched me when I was nine years old be baptized right up there. And then a few years ago, you listened to me preach one of my very first sermons right here on this platform. You have always cared for me and my family, and you continue to affirm me and encourage me. So this morning, UBC, I want to tell you that I love you, and I'm very thankful for you, and thank you for loving me and my family. As Jeremiah, um, well, he didn't say this, actually, but I'm going to tell you this. Taylor and I are about to start a new ministry. We have really enjoyed our time in Stuttgart. We have really um, learned so much and grown there. But we believe that the Lord is now calling us to take another step of faith in our journey to international ministry. And we believe that the Lord is calling us to pursue church planting. And we are really excited about this. We, in August, are actually going to be moving away from Stuttgart. We're going to be moving eight hours north to Bremen, which is in northern Germany, and we are going to begin a two-year-long church planning apprenticeship. We are going to be working with a German church and also a church planting network called City to City Europe. I don't know, maybe some of you have read a book by Timothy Keller. He's a pastor in New York, and this is his church planning network that he started out of his church, Redeemer, in New York City. And so we're going to be working with this organization, and after that two-year time of training and mentorship, we're going to be sent out. And Lord willing, we are going to plant a new international church in Germany. We want to reach the nations through the city for Christ. And we believe that international churches are a really wonderful way to reach lots of different people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But maybe some of you are sitting here today and you're thinking, what is an international church? Um, that's okay, because I'm about to tell you. 
an international church is a community of men and women, of believers. It's a church community, but it's made up of people from multiple different nationalities and multiple different cultures. And even though all these people look very different and they speak lots of different languages, they come together to worship Jesus Christ in a common language, for example, English. So our church in Stuttgart right now is an English-speaking church located in Germany, and we actually have 50 different nationalities represented in our church every Sunday. And just to give you just a small glimpse of what that looks like, I brought a picture of our young adult ministry. This is them on their annual spring retreat. And just in this picture, it's so fascinating to me, you obviously have people from Germany and uh, the United States, but you also have people from New Zealand, Rwanda, Ghana, South Korea, uh, Russia, the Netherlands, and I see a few other countries there too, um, Zimbabwe. So fascinating and so diverse in one church to have all of these different cultures coming together to worship Christ. And we can definitely have our challenges in that cross-cultural of a ministry setting, but it's always exciting. And we believe that the need for international churches is only growing because um, the world is getting smaller. People from all over the world are moving into these major global cities. Cities like London, Berlin, New York, Hong Kong, Singapore, they're just exploding right now. And they are becoming more and more international and more cross-cultural. People are moving into these cities to live and work and study. And actually there was a study done that found that there are actually more people right now living in cities as opposed to rural areas than ever before in human history. And that percentage is only expected to continue to rise. And we especially see this trend of the nations coming to these global cities in Europe, and especially in Germany. Germany has the fourth largest economy in the world, and so so many people, international business people, refugees, immigrants, so many people are coming in to Germany to live and work there. And Germany, my husband and I really have a heart for Germany. We think it's a beautiful country. The landscape is beautiful. The architecture, it's amazing. Uh, Germany has such a rich history and culture. But spiritually speaking, Germany has become a dark place, which is very sad to me because Germany has such a rich uh, Christian heritage. This is the birthplace of the Protestant Reformation with Martin Luther. This is where pietism came out in the 18th century. Um, but now Christian belief is definitely on a decline in Germany. People no longer believe they need God. They think that the Christian faith, the Bible, God, this is all antiquated and we don't need this anymore in the modern day. So that's actually why my husband Taylor and I live and serve and minister in Germany. Uh, and that is also why we believe that God is calling us to plant a new international church in Germany, not just to meet the German people with the gospel, but also to minister to this very unique and diverse population of people who are now living in Germany too. We want to reach the nations through the city for Christ because God has a heart for the nations. God has a heart for the nations. What I mean when I say that is that God desires that all peoples of the earth would come to know and worship him. God has a heart for the nations. So this morning, if you have a copy of God's word with you, I invite you to open it to Psalm chapter 67, Psalm 67. That's where we are going to be today. And Pastor Jeremiah told me a few weeks ago that you are currently in a summer psalm series. You're studying Psalm 
145, and I just love the Psalter. The Psalms are like the hymn book of ancient Israel. They teach us how to praise God. The Psalms are also this collection of the prayers of God's people. So the Psalms teach us how to pray. In the Psalter, we see examples of how to pray to God when we need to confess our sin to him, or we need to give him thanks. We see prayers for people who are struggling with depression and sorrow, and we also see examples of prayers in times of great gladness and joy. And so the Psalms teach us how to pray, and this morning we are going to learn how to pray by studying Psalm 67 today. And it teaches us how to pray because it is a prayer. It is a prayer that all nations of the earth would come to know and worship God. So I'm actually going to invite you to stand in honor of the public reading of God's word. We're going to stand together as I read Psalm 67 for us. And when I'm finished reading, I would, I'm going to say this is the word of the Lord. And I would actually invite you as the congregation to respond by saying thanks be to God as we publicly affirm and thank God for his word together. So listen closely to the word of the Lord as I read Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God indeed. You may be seated. So UBC, let's explore this prayer together, this prayer that's going to teach us that we should use our gifts from God so that others can know him. This prayer is going to teach us today that we should use our gifts from God so that others can know him, and we're just going to explore it together, starting in verse 1. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. This prayer starts with a request asking to receive the blessings of God. And this language might sound familiar to some of you because these words are actually taken from a different part in Scripture. The beginning of this prayer is taken from the high priestly blessing in Numbers chapter 6. This is the blessing that God instructed the priests of Israel to say over the people. And they would say, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And when the nation of Israel asked to receive the blessings of God, they were asking for him to provide for their needs. They were asking for God to bless their land, to increase their herds and their flocks, and to make their crops grow. They were asking him to protect their people from their enemies and be present with them. They wanted God's face to shine upon them. Now, a few minutes ago, I showed you a picture of my son. And Taylor and I love Luke. We love spending time with him. He, he's five months old, so he's starting to learn how to roll, and he's really fun. He giggles all the time, so it's really fun to play with him. Um, but I also just really enjoy caring for him because I'm his mom. It brings me great joy to provide for his needs. You could say that my face shines with pleasure when I can provide for the needs of my son. 
And so in the same way, this prayer is asking that God would provide for the needs of his people, that he would look on with pleasure on his people, that his face would shine with pleasure as he provides for the needs of Israel. And God is a good father. He gives good gifts to his children. He delights to provide us with what we need. That's why he blesses us with physical and material blessings. He gives us jobs, houses, food, clothing. But because he's our heavenly father, he also blesses us with spiritual things. He forgives us of our sins. He gives us hope and joy and peace in him. God is a good God. He's a good father that gives good gifts to his children. And he enjoys blessing us and providing for our needs. And this prayer, asking to receive these blessings from the Lord, is not a selfish prayer. It's okay to pray like that to God. And we see why when we keep reading in verse 2. We see that there is a purpose behind this request to receive God's blessing. Verse 2 says, That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. God's favor is so abundant that when he blesses us, those blessings extend and overflow to other people as well. So the psalmist is asking God to richly bless the nation of Israel, not just for their own benefit, but so all the nations around them would see the generosity and the graciousness of their God and want to come and know him too. About Five weeks ago, Taylor and I arrived in the United States to visit, and we, we started out in Alabama, but then we eventually drove, we got on good old I-20, and drove all the way over to Texas to spend time here with my family, and it's so funny because I know in my head that Texas is hotter than Germany. Like in Germany during the summertime, you kind of have to wear a light jacket or sweaters, and I know that that's not the case here in Texas. But, man, it wasn't until we, we stopped and we got out of the car that that wave of heat hit me. And I was like, oh, yeah, I know in my heart, yes, Texas is hotter than Germany. How many of you know Texas is hot? Yeah, you all do. You all know that Texas is hot, and that's because you've personally experienced the heat. You know it's hot in Texas. So in a similar way, this psalm is asking that the nations would come to know God, not just with their heads, that they would know, oh yeah, that God of Israel, he created everything, he has power, but that they would know with their hearts, that they would personally experience the salvation, the goodness and grace of God, that they would personally have a relationship with this God who loves to bless his people. And this is actually God's desire. This is what he wants to happen. This is his plan because he has a heart for the nations. God has a heart for the nations, and we can see this throughout Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. In Genesis chapter 12, God blesses a man named Abram. And he says, Abram, I'm going to bless you and make you into a great nation. Why? So that through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Then in Exodus chapter 19, God has just delivered the nation of Israel from slavery in Egypt, and he blesses them, and he makes a covenant, a special relationship with them, and he says, you are a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Why? Well, it wasn't because they were very good or obedient, as we see if you keep reading in the Old Testament, but it was because God chose to bless this one nation 
so that through them, his love and his holiness would be revealed to all the nations surrounding them. And then this theme of God working through the people of Israel to show his holiness to the other nations continues in scripture. We see in other Psalms, Psalm 150, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And God, in the prophets, he would speak to the nation of Israel, but he would also speak to other nations as well. And he would say things to them like he says through the prophet Isaiah, turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. God has a heart for the nations, and we can see that in the Old Testament, and that theme just continues on into the New Testament, that God desires for all peoples of the earth to come and know and worship him. UBC, I know you know this verse, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. After Jesus Christ, who is God's son, died on the cross for our sins and rose again from the grave, right before he ascended back to heaven, he told his followers, he said, you go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And later on, the Apostle Peter, he took those instructions that God had given the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, and he applied them to the New Testament church. And he said, you now are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation. Why? So that you can proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of great darkness and into his marvelous light. God has a heart for the nations, and he invites us to participate in his mission to redeem all peoples, to bring all peoples of the earth to know him. And we should use our gifts from God so that others can know him. Knowing God means admitting that we need his grace. Knowing God means personally experiencing his salvation. And when men and women know God, the result of that is that they worship him. And that is why the very next verse in this psalm, look back at your Bibles, the very next verse, verse 3 said, says, let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. Since we know that this is God's desire to receive praise from all nations, we can be confident that he is going to make it happen. And it's so cool to me that we actually get to see the answer to this prayer in Psalm 67 all the way at the end of the Bible, all the way in Revelation chapter 7. The apostle John gets a vision or a revelation. He gets a glimpse into heaven. And what he sees there, he sees this great crowd of people, a great multitude, men and women from every tribe, from every tongue, language, and nation. And all of these people are united together and they are worshiping Jesus. And they are saying salvation Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. In the new heaven and on the new earth, men and women who know God are going to be united in worshiping Jesus Christ forever. And I can't wait for that day. When people come and visit our church in Stuttgart, they often, we often hear this comment from people who have just visited a worship service. We hear people say, wow, that was kind of like seeing a glimpse of heaven. And I think they're thinking about those verses in Revelation 7. And it really is a witness 
to this world to see men and women so different from each other, from every different nation, united in worship. Because when we look at the world, all we have to do is just turn on the news. We see a lot of division, right? We see a lot of political, ethnic, racial division, and we're trying to make these laws and these programs to unite everyone together, but they just don't seem to be working. There's so much division in this world. And so that's why Taylor and I feel really passionate about planting more international churches because we think that their witness is powerful and important because they show the world, oh yes, there can be unity among men and women who look, act, think, talk, and act very differently from each other, but the only way people can be unified is through Jesus Christ. The only way that Taylor and I can have fellowship and unity and worship with people who are very different from us, from Europe, Africa, Asia, North, South, Latin America, each week, is because we are being united by the saving power and the grace of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the psalm continues. Go to verse 4. It keeps going by explaining and giving us reasons why. Why God deserves to be worshipped by all the peoples of the world. It says, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and you guide the nations upon earth. When we look at the world, we often see injustice and disorder. I know that you can all think of situations where you've seen corruption and injustice hurt other people in the world, maybe hurt people you love, maybe you yourself have been hurt. And when Taylor and I first moved to Germany, we had to be enrolled in language school. We were in full-time language school for about six months. And it was so interesting because everybody in that room, everybody in that class was from a different country. And they all had a very different reason for moving to Germany. And I'll never forget some of their stories. They were really sad stories. There was one boy, um, I think he was like 19 years old, and he said, my country in South America is very beautiful, but it's dangerous. And I had to leave, I had to flee, because the people in my area had become so corrupt. It was no longer safe for me to live there. And then there was another guy who was only 16, and another very young woman in our, in our class, and they were Syrian refugees. And they'd had to flee to Germany because their entire home and their families had been destroyed by war. So this world is fallen because of sin. You and I as men and women, sinful men and women, we are incapable of being just. We do things that are unfair, we hurt other people, and we often turn our eyes on acts of injustice. But God is not like us. This verse says that God judges the peoples with equity. That means that God is fair, he is good, and he is just. And despite all the corrupt and messed up things that are happening in this world, that is a reason that the nations can be glad and sing for joy. When we look at the world, we also see a lot of disorder and chaos. But this verse is teaching us that God, it says that God guides the nations upon earth. That means that God is sovereign. He is in control and he has a plan that is for our good and his glory. And that's why Verse 3 is repeated in verse 5. The psalmist prays again, Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. UBC, our God is just, our God is good, and our God is in control. And he is worthy of our worship, and that is why he is worthy of the worship of the entire world. 
this prayer continues and concludes in verses 6 and 7 with this image of a harvest. It says in verse 6, the earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. And I love that this prayer ends with such confidence. You can hear the confidence there. God shall bless us. It says it again, God shall bless us. And that's because there's already been a harvest. The earth has already yielded its increase. We can be confident that God is going to provide for our needs because his provision in the past is proof that he is going to continue to provide in the future. But look again, make note that that blessing and that provision isn't just for one country or one nation, one family, one church, one person, but it's for the world. It says the earth has yielded its increase. And the last verse of the psalm, verse 7, um, kind of concludes the entire psalm by saying and summarizing, let all the ends of the earth fear him. Let all the ends of the earth come to fear the Lord. And fearing the Lord means worshiping him with awe and with reverence. And people who fear the Lord know him because they have personally experienced his grace. And they have personally experienced his salvation. I love this psalm, UBC, Psalm 67. It's such a powerful prayer. It teaches us so much about who God is. It teaches us that God is just, he is good, that he provides and blesses his people, and that he has a heart for the nations. But what does this psalm have to say to us today? This prayer that was written thousands of years ago in another culture, what does it have to say to us, men and women, sitting here in Fort Worth, Texas today? Well, I believe that this psalm is teaching us how to pray. And it is showing us that we should use our gifts from God so that others can know him. We should use our gifts from God so that others can know him. And when I like to read scripture, I like to ask myself some questions about what I just read in the Bible just to make sure I'm understanding what it says about God and then I'm understanding what then I'm supposed to do based on the truth of that text. So I have a few questions that I want us to ask ourselves and challenge ourselves with today. And the first question is this. Psalm 67 is asking us, do we know God? Do we know God? Have we personally experienced his saving power and his grace? Because before we can begin to bring other people to the Lord so that they can know and worship him too, we need to have experienced his salvation for ourselves. And the good news is, of the gospel is that verse 1 of Psalm 67 has already been fulfilled. God has already been gracious to us and blessed us and made his face to shine upon us through his son Jesus Christ. God displayed his grace on the cross when Jesus died for our sins. God displayed his power when Jesus defeated death and rose from the grave. And God continues to display his salvation today when he forgives sinners like you and like me. UBC, do we know God? Do you know God? And if you're sitting here today and you're thinking to yourself, I don't think I know the saving power of God. I don't think that's something that I've experienced for myself. And I encourage you today that that is something you can receive. You can receive God's gift of grace today. Because Jesus Christ has already done all the work for you. 
The scriptures say, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Do you know God? I would love to talk to you more about that. Pastor Jeremiah would too. There are other staff members of UBC around here that are going to be here at the end of the service, and they would love to share with you what it means to have a relationship with God. For others of you, I know some of you, that you've known the Lord for many years. You have been walking with him for many years. So I think the question to you then is, if you know God, what are you doing with that knowledge? How are you using that gift of grace, the greatest gift he's given you, the gift of salvation? How are you using that gift to introduce other people to Jesus Christ? The second question that Psalm 67 has to ask us this morning is, if God has a heart for the nations, do we have a heart for the nations? I hope you notice that this is a very missional prayer. Do we pray like this? UBC, do we pray prayers like this? And I have to confess and be honest with you, UBC, that I don't pray like this. And I realized that when I was studying this psalm and reading over it in preparation for this morning, I became very convicted that I don't pray prayers like this. My prayers are often very selfish. Especially recently, I've become so self-focused on my own comfort and my own fears and my desires and the things that I want and need that I so easily forget that there is a lost and dying world out there. And so in preparing for this sermon, I had to pray asking God to forgive me of my selfish prayers. And I'm still asking him to transform my heart because I don't have a heart for the nations. But if he has one, then I need to have a heart for the nations too. But I need him to do that work in my heart. I need him to give me a burden for lost people. And then I need him to give me his power and his help so that I can share his love with people who look and act and talk and think very differently than I do. Do we pray like this? Do we pray to receive the blessings of God, not just for our own benefit, but so that all peoples could come to know him? The last question that I want to challenge us with today from Psalm 67 is, how are we using our gifts? How are you using your gifts? Psalm 67 ends with this image of a harvest. And that's imagery that Jesus used himself when he was speaking to his disciples in Matthew chapter 9. He's looking out at a great crowd of people, a multitude. And Jesus is moved with compassion for the people. And he turns to his disciples and he says to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest fields. The harvest, this promise of the harvest means that there are men and women who the Lord is preparing to receive the good news about Jesus. All we have to do is just go out and tell them. There is a harvest, it's ready, but the workers are few. This promise is something that Taylor and I have decided is going to be one of our little verses uh, to encourage us as we start church planning. It's going to be a verse that we have to cling to as we move our family into a neighborhood that is very opposed to the gospel, openly opposed to learning more about God. And this verse is also something, though, that you, UBC, you can cling to this verse. When you're interacting with your family members, friends, co-workers, 
who are so opposed to learning about God and hearing his truth cling to this verse, there is a harvest. And so what are we doing about that harvest? How are we using our gifts? How are we using the blessings we receive from the Lord? Because the psalm teaches us that those blessings aren't just for our benefit. We should be using our time, our talents, our resources to share the good news about Jesus with other people. So how are you using your gifts, UBC? You can be praying, like uh, the verse in Matthew 9 said, you can be praying that other people will be sent out into the harvest fields. There are prayer uh, missionaries and church planners all over the world that really need your prayers and support. But you, as a church, can also continue the good work that you have been doing. I know that a few weeks ago you just celebrated your 90th birthday as a church. That is awesome, UBC. Keep up the good work. Continue raising up the next generation to know and love Jesus. Continue teaching God's truth to people. Continue sending people out on mission. Continue giving to missions. Continue to train and equip the next generation for Christ. And maybe some of you here today, you have been feeling God's tug on your heart for a long time. And you know that the Lord has put a people group, a country, or a nation on your heart. And you think the Lord is nudging you to go out and be a worker in his harvest. And my encouragement to you today is surrender to that call. Surrender to the call of the Lord and don't be afraid because God promises to provide for the needs of the people he calls to do his work. We should use our gifts from God so that others can know him. What are your gifts, UBC? What are the blessings that God has given you? And how can you be using those gifts so that others can know and worship our Lord too. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord of all creation, God, will you be gracious to us and bless us and make your face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth your saving power among all nations. O oh Lord, let the peoples praise you, O oh God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and you guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O oh Lord. Let all the peoples praise you. God, the earth has already yielded its harvest. You will bless us. God, you will surely bless us. So, Lord, let all the ends of the earth come to know and fear you. And it is in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit that we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you so much.